And when he had gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about, and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished, out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold. Now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There are really only two ways to understand your relationship with God. He is either your Lord and your God, whose mercy you are under and whose law and gospel are ultimate in your life. Or you are above God, living life on the terms that you dictate, maybe consulting God from time to time when needed, but basically determining what is best for you in your life. These are mutually exclusive ways of understanding God. They cannot live under the same roof or share the same intellectual space. And two people who find themselves on either side of this question, well, they see the world very, very differently. They might like the same sports teams or live in the same neighborhood or smoke the same cigarettes but they find themselves on opposite sides of this God question, and that means they have nothing in common. 
For one lives at the behest of God, and the other believes that he is God. The stakes really are that high. Now, of course, no one usually goes around and says, hey, I think I'm God. But if you were to ask them why they think certain moral behaviors are right or wrong, or to what one should be completely loyal, it would be clear whether God is front and center or only playing a complementary role. The story of the rich young ruler gives us an excellent example of someone who really misjudged what his relationship to God should be like. Was he willing to place himself under God's rule? Or was he really the arbiter of what is right and wrong? (coughs) Well, the answer should be pretty obvious. This is a man who viewed his obedience of the law of God as something that he had totally licked. He was wealthy, and that meant that God had blessed him. And actually, no one even disputed that point. It was just assumed that if someone was as wealthy as he was, then he must have been blessed by God for his obedience. Remember, that's why the disciples say, well, gosh, if this guy can't be saved, I mean, we're all done for, right? It was just assumed that he had been blessed by God. Wealth would not have been a reason to not like this young man, but rather it would have proven his belief that God had blessed him for his obedience. So when he asked Jesus about eternal life, he's really just looking for confirmation of what he already believes about God, that he's pretty familiar with who this God character is, and he's, he's very familiar with the law of God, and he obeyed it since his youth. Everything's fine, right? Jesus, Jesus, I just want you to tell me that, right? God is not some other terrifying being whose judgment is to be feared no god for the rich young ruler he's like an ally who blesses him for obedience so when jesus starts to to kind of go through the ten commandments here hey that rich young ruler he is there for it oh yeah check 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 no problem yeah yeah i've been obedient to all those since my youth Come on, Jesus, is that the best you got? Jesus then reveals what kind of understanding this man has of God and why it is wrong. He tells the man that he doesn't really know who God is if he thinks he has God so well understood. He tells him that his appearance of control is just an illusion. And he unsettles him by suggesting that God cannot be so easily confined. Jesus tells the rich young man to get rid of all of his possessions, knowing, of course, that the proud young man had a heart that was actually invested with pride and greed and idolatry and was very far from the God of creation. Now, Jesus isn't only talking about money here. This isn't a prescriptive text for all followers of Jesus to sell everything they have and give it away. For if we did, we'd end up with nothing. 
to take care of our families or look after our neighbor. But Jesus was a master of cutting through the pretense and getting to this man's foundational problem. He had come to believe that he could determine on his own how he ought to live. So Jesus had to reveal his heart back to him by taking the one thing that he would never give away, his money. Jesus revealed beneath that cool exterior there was a man who was terrified of losing control. He wanted all of the benefits of God without actually having to give himself over to God. But the truth is that if your relationship to God is under control, it's not a real relationship with God. See, God is in a position where he can ask of us anything, right? And it's the case that God doesn't usually ask us to do silly or unsafe or unusual things over the course of our lives. God is very merciful in not doing so, but he could. And if we do not acknowledge that and live by it, then we aren't really in a relationship with the living God of the universe. We're just pretending. We're above God. We are the we are the gods of our universe. So maybe a question for us would be, what could Jesus demand of you that would put you in this man's shoes, that would reveal to you what kind of relationship you have with God? I mean, we do love to scoff at this arrogant young ruler, but let's not kid ourselves. We all have something some amount of control, some amount of money we'd like to hold back and claim as our own rather than completely and totally see our lives as God's. And it may not be money, of course. Not everyone is interested in money. Some folks would rather have a great reputation than a lot of money. What people think maybe is the most important thing. Some folks would like to be in charge. But we all have something that keeps us a bit more like the rich young ruler than most of us would like to admit. Now, at this point, we might have the same question the disciples have, right? Well, geez, who can be saved? And and that's why Jesus' answer is pretty remarkable. Just to reinforce the idea that you're not God and that you can't save yourself, Jesus says, Hey, with God, all things are possible. And that reveals then just who God is, and that it is God who does the saving, and it is God who must be first and foremost in our lives. So long as we have the control, we don't have a relationship with God. But all is not lost. Jesus does have followers after all, right? Fall short though we may, it isn't impossible to follow Jesus. In fact, Peter says to Jesus, hey, we, we've done pretty good, right? We, we left everything and followed you. And Jesus doesn't argue with them. You know, sometimes Peter says things that are a little on the forward or aggressive side, and Jesus has to tamp them down a little bit, but not here. 
Jesus is like, that's right, you did. He says, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes and brothers and sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. The great sin of the rich young ruler was believing that he could sit in the catbird seat when it came to relating to God. Don't make that mistake. Let God be God and trust him when he says that those who follow him will be blessed beyond measure. Amen.